Welcome to the Skill Stadium, a podcast for the skilled trades, where you can learn about the opportunities and benefits of working in the skilled trades from business owners, hiring managers, and the hardworking, talented professionals. And now, your host, Keith Williams. Hi, this is Keith Williams with the Skill Stadium Podcast, episode 16. Wow, it's a lot of episodes in. Today, we are going to talk about programs. We're going to talk about the skill trades. And my guest today is Sherry Benfield. Sherry is a training and event advisor, and she's a skill trades advocate. I'm going to let her talk about her background and how she got to where she is. She's also a podcaster, so she's pretty adept at this. So, Without further ado, please welcome Sherry Benfield to the Skill Stadium Podcast. Sherry, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Keith. I'm excited to be here chatting with you today. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent. And I want to say it was kind of cool how I connected with Sherry. Sherry had a post on LinkedIn, which goes to show you how powerful LinkedIn is. And she was talking about a program that helps people in the skill trades. And that caught my attention. I said, I've got to invite Sherry to be a guest on my podcast. Sherry, talk to us about your background and what you do. Yeah, I'd love to. So I have spent the majority of my career pushing 30 years now in training and development. So in corporate and in associations. And most recently, my the last job that I had, which I left about 12 years ago to start my own business, was with a trade association. So in that position, I came in as a training director and created curriculum and training programs, classes, conferences, you name it, with content and learning programs for every position in a home service business. Primarily, these are companies in the HVAC industry, plumbing and electrical. So the the home service guys, creating training for them to be able to run profitable businesses. And you know, with that comes training technicians how to sell and um, leaders how to be good leaders. So all of those things. And so I just became really passionate about that industry. And obviously, you know, we know today that there is a massive shortage of skilled labor in our country. But what I think a lot of people don't realize is we've been talking about this for 20 years. Mm-hmm. And it's it's been a problem and it's now really gotten to a critical stage. So it's so nice to see people like you helping and doing things about that. And that's how you and I connected because I was sharing a program that I'm doing with a client called Ride and Decide. And in that program, we're actually bringing in high school students into the business and letting them get in a truck with technicians and work in the warehouse and spend time in the company learning what it's really like. And they're loving it. Definitely. Yeah. So you have, you know, you have 20 years of experience delivering high engagement educational programs. How has the rise of social media, and I I have to ask this question just because of how we connected, how has that affected your work? Well, that's a really interesting question. And I would say, I don't know that it has changed the way I deliver training or I teach people to train, but what it has done is it's advanced the technology and it's made students and, and businesses way more comfortable 
in a virtual environment. Like you and I talking today, we couldn't necessarily do that 20 years ago. Um, I've, I've been doing this since the technology for um, webinars first came around and we were figuring out how the heck to do a webinar and, and people were very uncomfortable. It was a challenge. We'd spend the first five, 10 minutes just teaching people how to chat and how to put their name in and how to get their sound right. <laughs> um, so now it's made it so much easier and kids now are so comfortable with the technology that doing virtual training, which is really what I love. I, I love interactive virtual programs. You know, don't get me wrong, the classroom is still uh, my favorite place, but being connected on social media has just made it so much easier and more comfortable for everybody. Definitely. I also think that I came up at a time, and I, I think probably you came up around the same time where we didn't have social media. And right. You can remember times where it was really just phone communication or in person or later, as you said, webinars. I think that we can appreciate social media a little bit more just because we had to take traditional paths to uh, be able to communicate and also to be able to build those relationships. A lot of times you had to jump on a plane or you had to uh, drive out and meet somebody. So there was... There, there was, there were, it was a little bit more challenging to develop those relationships. Whereas now I feel like social media empowers us to do that. It also allows you to do more research on people and understand them a little better. So I, I definitely see, I think we appreciate it a little bit more because we, we didn't grow up with it. Like we weren't born into this. Right, right. And it's so, you know, you and I wouldn't be talking today. Like you said, we, we happened to be in the same group in LinkedIn and we were involved in the same conversation and that yes. just led us here. So yes. I think the opportunities, if you're using social media in those ways, opportunities are just so immense. Like yes. it, it's everywhere. Yeah, um, yeah. And I think the opportunities to learn. You know, one of the things that, you know, is kind of in my, just in my DNA is to always be learning. And I use social media as a way to learn, just listening to what other people are doing and saying. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, you know, it, it's the reason why people join groups. Even if you look at Facebook, you know, there's, there's a hobby I enjoy. I, I have a fish aquarium. There's, ah. a, there's a Facebook group for that. <laughs> of course there is. <laughs> yeah. And all they do is they talk about fish. And so it's amazing, you know, how specialized some of these groups are. And there are people all over the world in this one group getting together. And like you said, that's thanks to technology and, and social media. Speaking of which, you know, we all have gone through the pandemic and are going through it now, you know, and you do a lot of virtual work. How has, and some of your work I imagine is in person, how has the pandemic affected how you deliver services? Well, it's really brought me back to what I love. Before the pandemic, I was still doing a lot of coaching with speakers and trainers and business owners and helping them to develop programs, helping them to design events. But I just love what you can do with virtual. So it was probably three weeks into the pandemic. I had people coming out of the blue that I had never met before reaching out to me because they wanted to shift their programs to virtual. And what it's meant for my clients and for me 
is reaching a worldwide audience. I mean, it's just amazing. And I I believe that you can do anything that you can do in the classroom, you can do in a virtual classroom if you have the right facilitation skills. And that's just really the, you know, that's what you need to learn. Um, you can't just turn on a camera and start talking at people and expect them to get a great experience. You need to be able to facilitate that type of engagement and really build community around the learning. So for me, I've been busier than ever because we we now have an opportunity to reach more people and people are figuring this out. And, and I don't think it's going to change anytime too quickly. No, I agree. <laughs> I also think it seems like you were doing this before the pandemic. And I think that helped yeah. you. So oh, yeah. you were ready prepared, it looks like. Yep. I was I was there. I was ready. And that's how people found me is that I was already doing virtual event production, helping people on the back end. So that's one of the services I provide for companies and for trainers, um, speakers is, you know, allowing them to stay focused on delivering their content and working with their participants and really engaging with guests while, while I manage all of the back end. Mm -hmm. So they're not in the trenches there. Yeah. Something I want to ask you about that you had mentioned with the HVAC, how you're teaching them to sell and leaders to lead. I think it's so critical because mm -hmm. a lot of people are not good at selling. And it's something that a lot of people fear. Can you talk about that program, about how you're, because I think it's invaluable. If you can help people, I always say there are two things that'll make people money. If you can lead people. And you could sell. If you can do those two things, you're in a very good position in life. Right. Well, that really was when I went to work for the trade association, it was the very first thing that we developed is a sales training program because the organization at the time didn't have their own proprietary training around sales. Uh, but let's face it, if you're if you're in business, if you're working for a business, you need to know how to sell. And it is a scary thing, especially for so many, you know, guys that come and gals coming up in the trades. They they take on these roles because they love to fix things and they love working with their hands and they want to get in there and they want to solve problems. They didn't necessarily sign up to be an HVAC tech because they love to sell. Mm -hmm. But let's face it, you got to be able to sell if you're going to make money for the company and you're going to main, you know, keep your job. Yeah, so sure. customers need to understand, you know, what their options are. And that's really what we train is sales is just really good communication. It's building rapport with customers, helping them feel comfortable and to trust you and to understand that you're there to help them solve the problem. And you do that by giving them options of how they can resolve it. Sometimes the option is just a really simple fix that really, you know, cost, cost effective and easy and quick. And sometimes the best option is a complete replacement of their system that you know, and that can be a challenge for people. So we, you know, we developed that training program to make it easy and, and to help technicians understand their role in sales because their, their role isn't just to be a salesperson. It's to be the problem solver and to, you know, really help their customers. So, you know, that, 
those things, it's a core of everything in businesses. And let's just face it. You might say that you don't sell, but you sell. You sell yourself every day. Every day. Every day. <laughs> if you've ever had a date, you're a salesperson. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I agree. I agree 100%. You know, yeah. And you're going into people's homes. So you have to build that relationship. You have to build trust. You you have to interact with people. And I was told, I've done an interview with a number of business managers in the, in plumbing and HVAC. And I always ask them, how, how do you, what's, how do you measure what is or define who is a great HVAC tester, a great plumber? How do you define that? And he said, it's the people who can identify the problems and educate the customers, mm-hmm. you know? And that's what sales is, because if you know that there's a plumbing issue that needs a replacement and you're just putting a Band-Aid on it and you're charging them for it, for it and yeah. then you got to come back, they got to call you back and come back. They're not going to be happy with you. Even no, they're not. You them, yeah. I mean, so you're not we've all had, you know, I, I don't know anything about cars, but I had a situation one time where I took my car in to get an oil change mm-hmm. and about a half an hour down the road, it broke down and there was something else unrelated wrong with it and they didn't see it. And that, you know, to me, I rely on those experts to to look around and tell me what other problems there might be. And that's exactly what we teach technicians is, you know, if you're there in the home, it's your responsibility to to at least share with your clients and the customers what you see. So they can make a decision if they want to fix it or not. I agree 100%. And and you know what? At least if they've been warned, like had they at least warned you about, hey, this is going to break down your car. This is what will happen. You wouldn't have been mad. (laughs) No, you wouldn't have been mad. If they had told you, you know, they said, hey, Sherry, if you don't fix this, the car is going to break down. And then the car broke down. You can't be mad at your. You can only be mad at yourself right. in that case. They, they told you, you right? Know? So but you should have seen it and should have told me. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and you're right. That's all sales is. So let's get a, go a little bit more into depth in the ride and decide program because that's really the. Uh, that's really what we want to. That's the meat. That's what we want to dig into yeah. here on the podcast. Talk to me about this. Like this is how did you come up with this? Please share it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, the program is actually one of the resources available through um, explorethetrades.org. Um, and explorethetrades.org, I know that you have interviewed the Kate's executive. Yes, Kate's yeah. been on your podcast. Yeah. I was looking back at her interview, and I think it was March 28th, something like that. So if anybody's interested yeah. in, in hearing more about Explore the Trades, it's yes. a wonderful organization. And, and this is what they do. They put together resources resources like this for organizations and for, you know, kids or anybody looking to get into the trades, you know, just helping them to, you know, connect. So the Ride and Decide program is a week-long program where we bring in area youth. And the organization I'm working with right now is a company out of northern Wisconsin. And so we put together the program. We adapted it to our company, the company I'm working with, and we reached out to the local high school. And I talked with the guidance counselor there about what we wanted to do. They were really excited. And so the guidance counselor and the principal of the school um, took the marketing 
um, materials that I put together and they sent them out to all of the students and all of the parents because let's face it, we need the parents yes. involved and that is a whole other aspect of this challenge. Yes. <laughs> so yes. we need the parents there. And so what we did is started it out with an information night where we invited parents and students to come to the shop. Um, we set up tours so they could look at the trucks, they could look at the warehouse, they could see the operation, they could visit different departments in the office. And people were really amazed. I think the most comment that we would get was, wow, this is just so much more than I thought. I didn't realize that there were this many people that worked here and you have, you know, a CSR department and you have a dispatching department and you have this huge warehouse. And they were just really amazed at the operation. So it gives them an inside look. It gave parents an opportunity to see that, hey, you know what, this is really a legit business. And it's not just, you know, some kind of a fallback kind of career. This is real. And they got to meet a lot of the technicians. They got to meet managers, dispatchers, people who work in the company. And it was really a fun evening. So we had, out of that, we had three students that decided they wanted to start the program. And we kicked that off. Actually, it's running this week. And they're right. having their graduation this afternoon. Excellent. Um, yeah. So it's been just really fun. They love it. We actually have one person stepped out of the program, decided not that it wasn't for him, but he had some other conflicts and it just wasn't the right time. So the two that are in it are loving it. And both of them are probably going to remain as part-time employees in the company. So even when they're in school, they'll have an opportunity to come in in the afternoons or on the weekends and assist. And they've been able to get out there. They're in the trucks. They've been helping, you know, move equipment around and helping on installs. And they're learning what the business is really about. You know what I like is it gives them the opportunity to taste. Yeah. The company, you know, like taste different careers. That's what I say. It's almost like, you know, does that taste good? Does that, is that a fit for me? That's how, I, that's what I mean for young people. Cause you know, and never mind just young people, just people in general. Yeah. You know, there's some things that, yeah, this is for me or it's not for me. It's also a good opportunity for the companies to say, all right, this person fits in our culture. I think it's so yes. important when you're young to start figuring out what it is you want to do. And also this, you know, I, I always say this doesn't have to be a lifetime decision. Like most people no. are going to do seven different careers. Like, so don't make it that serious or that deep. If you're enjoying it, go for it, do it. it, it and it's, making you're going to make enough money to make a living wage that's the key thing here oh my gosh choice. i mean they're gonna you know folks in the trades make really good money and i don't think most people realize that they can you know they can easily come out and within a few years be making eighty thousand a hundred thousand dollars a year yes depending, and and you can live anywhere you want you know let's yes, just put that out there that these jobs i work with contractors all over the country and they are all hiring. Yes, I agree. And, and the beautiful thing about that, I, and I tell young people this all the time, is go out and try something, you know, maybe even try moving move into a different city. Heck, if you don't like it, you can always come back. Life's short. Yeah. You know, yeah. you know, it's a lot harder to, to, you know, to move around later on in life. I always feel like if you're not taking chances now while you're young and doing, you know, and trying different things, then when? You've got right. nothing to lose. Like when you're young, you don't have anything. It's not like you've got a house, a family, and a bunch of things that 
you know, that you have to factor in in making a decision, you know, and again, I'm talking about young people, 18 to maybe 25, 27, who are just getting yeah. started at that age, take chances, try different things. You know, you got nothing to lose. Absolutely. And, you know, if in a career in the trades, it's like not even taking a risk. You can go, you can go anywhere and you can get a great job and work for great. And you can pick the company you want to work for. So that's, you know, that's the challenge for these businesses right now too, is to become an employer of choice because people have, they have choices and good technicians, especially good sales technicians, they can go anywhere. Yeah. And you know what that does? That forces employers to treat their employees well. Exactly. There's no, there are not a lot of industries where you're paid well and you're treated well and you have options. Yep. And, and you get training. And you're right. And you get training. And if you're in the apprentice, you're getting paid to train. Like apprentices are paid. Let's Hell make yeah. that very clear. They get paid a wage, and that wage yeah. probably starts if you're starting at 17, 18, whatever age it is. If you're starting straight out of high school, you're a young lady or a young man making a good wage at 18 and getting training. Great. I mean, these kids in our Ride and Decide program are being paid. So this is you know, their job for the yeah. week that they're in the program. They're getting paid $15 an hour to learn what this business is about. It's not a bad wage for a high school student. No, it's not. It's, it's, that's a pretty good wage for a high school yeah. student. If you're not, and, that, and I'm going to assume that high school student lives at home, so they probably don't oh, have yeah. a whole lot of expenses. Yeah, in fact, two of them don't even have a driver's license yet, so their mom has to bring them to work. Yeah. <laughs> that's all right. That's not, you know, that's not a bad life. You know, if I'm in high school and I'm making $15 an hour, and I don't have expenses, that's straight spending money in my pocket. Exactly. <laughs> and I'm learning a great trade. And I'm learning something that's going to lead to a career. Let's not forget that, right? Yep. And with what? The wage only goes up as they finish the training. Yeah, well, and the really cool thing is those people that are really committed, they get to write their own paycheck because you're most businesses, you're working on a commission plus your wage. So, you know, the more you learn, the better you are at your job, the more you make. Definitely. Definitely. So tell me, how were you able to connect with these companies? And I'm sure some of you might have a relationship with who are willing to participate in programs like Ride and Decide. Yeah, well, definitely past relationships. Like I said, I spent 12 years in this organization working with hundreds of contractors all over the world, mostly in the United States, but in Canada, Australia. And I have really great relationships with them. Some of my best friends in the world came from this organization and their business owners. And I work with them every day in different ways, helping them in their business. So, you know, from just from those relationships and then word of mouth. So word gets out that I'm helping a company in Wisconsin create this youth apprenticeship program. And then somebody else is interested and wants to know if I can help them with theirs. And uh, so that's kind of how this grassroots comes about. Not all of these companies have the manpower within to take on projects like this. So mm-hmm. it's nice to have somebody like me who can come in and just project manage it. I put together the the marketing materials. I design t-shirts for the kids that are, are going to 
they're going to wear during the program and their certificates. And I work with the school and, you know, just coordinating with the managers in the company, putting together their checklist, you know, here's what needs to get done and who's going to do this, who's going to do that, who's going to, you know, get the program off, kicked off, who's going to be speaking at the information night, things like that, just really managing the project for them. And they don't always have somebody inside that can take the time to do that. So that's why the program just doesn't happen. Like a lot of things, you need somebody that's going to jump in and take ownership of it. Oh, I agree a hundred percent. You know, that's not their specialty. Like you heard, right. you've never heard the line, stay in your lane. Yes. You know, this is your lane. <laughs> this is what you do. Sure. Yep. This is your expertise. It's what you've done. It's what you enjoy doing. Smart companies figured that out and said, we're just going to leave it to Sherry. Yeah. I'll take care of it. I'll tell you what to do. I'm good at that too. Exactly. <laughs> so, you know, you know, like that. It's companies know that they know how to do the HVAC and the plumbing. That's what they do. You know how to do the infrastructure and the processes and, and the training programs. So, you know, it's a great partnership. <laughs> yeah, it really is. Yeah. So what groups and organizations do you think are doing a good job or having an impact on promoting the skill trades? Because you know this is a problem. You've seen it. Are there some groups or organizations that you can mention that you think are leading the way in helping more people get into the skill trades? Well, there are so many. And, you know, I mentioned the explorethetrades.org, which I think is just a really great place to start with resources for both employers and those students. Or even, you know, we have adults that are interested in making career shifts and they're not quite sure how to do it. So those are, that is a really great organization. And the truth is a lot of contracting businesses are starting up their own youth apprenticeship programs. So I encourage people to just get out there and ask around and see who in your area might be offering programs like this because they're out there and more and more companies are finding that we can't sit around and wait for great technicians to come knocking at our door. We need to, you know, create our own farm team, you know, just like Major League Baseball, yeah, Yeah. they have farm teams everywhere. And that's what good organizations are doing in the trades right now, too, is they're building their team and they're building them. They're starting with 15-year-olds who are willing to come in and just learn and help out in the warehouse and maybe hop on a truck and, you know, help somebody carry equipment. They're getting their hands in there and figuring it out. And those are the organizations that you want to align yourself with. It might take a little bit of research, but I'm telling you, um, Explore the Trades can help you do that too. Definitely. Definitely. No, I agree with you 100%. You know, it's so incumbent on building that pipeline, evaluating what you have, because you have a lot of people who are retiring. There's a lot of workers who are retiring and every company I talk to, you know, I, I, I talk to companies right across the country and they all... It's not a conspiracy. They're all saying the same thing. Oh, so it, you know, they have been it, for 20 years. <laughs> yes. you know, I think it was about 15 years ago, the average age of a plumber was 55. Yes. So I'm yes. sure, you know, the average plumber is now closer to 58, 60 years old. Yes. And that, yeah. that is, it's a young man's game, really. Yeah, you can uh, only do that for so long. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And speaking of men, let's talk about women for a while, women. shall yes. we? <laughs> Yeah, how do we get more women into the skill trade? Well, 
I think the first thing we have to do is start talking with them about it because it has always been such a male dominated field that just talking with girls when when we introduced the Ride and Decide program uh, with this company in Wisconsin, I went to the school counselors and said, please, please encourage girls too. let's make sure that they understand that this is for them as well. Um, Sorry, what did the counselor say when you said that? She How said, yeah, she was very excited about it and said, yes, I think that that's a great idea. She said, in fact, I feel like there's some girls that might really be interested. They didn't show up for whatever reason. And, you know, I get that. But just showing them more and more of what is possible. There are some women like you and I talked when we first met to about Judeline Kennedy is one of, you know, the heroes in this industry for plumbers. She started an organization called Tools and Tiaras, helping inner city girls learn about plumbing. You know, these are little, you know, I don't know how young they are, eight, 10 year old girls learning how to do simple plumbing tasks. And that's what we need more of is just helping girls see that these are jobs they can do and they can make a great living at it. It's You don't have to be big and strong. You just have to be interested in doing it. I had Judalyn on one of my podcasts and she said uh, that, I had her on my podcast and she said that one of the reasons, one of the things when she first started, I think it was in the nineties. And she said that they wouldn't want to teach her. And so when the guy would go to the bathroom, the person who was teaching her, yeah. she'd go and start <laughs> figuring things out when he was gone. So she learned, like she figured it out, you know, and she eventually gained people's respect, but it was, I imagine it was a bigger challenge back then. I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's still challenges today, but you know, um, she just had to, had to go and take her own initiative and figure things out. And I admired that because she wasn't going to let anything stop her from achieving that goal. Yeah. And I think that's why she's so passionate about helping women. So, uh, And, you know, I'm here to tell you, too, the women that are in these trades, as, you know, especially when they are in positions where they're in the home, you know, they're working with customers, it's much easier for them to gain trust yes. with the customer. Yes. You know, probably 80% of the time when a technician walks into a customer's home, they're there alone with the woman of the house. Yes. Um, it's usually the woman that makes the appointment. It's usually the woman that is there when they come. And that's a really uncomfortable position for women to be in. And it takes a lot of trust to open your door to some guy that you don't even know and invite them to come into your home when you're home alone. So women and girls really have an advantage there. And they don't even know. They don't even know it. And, yeah. you know, especially when it comes to selling, they have this instant rapport and trust that makes them just more likable. And, and women are better communicators. Yeah. Too. Yep. So, yeah. I always and encourage also, women to, you know, HVAC um, sales consultants or comfort consultants. It's a great job for women. You know, they have a big advantage there. I also say this in the corporate world where women are not paid equally, mm -hmm. the construction industry. And I was told by a woman who's in charge of, she's a president of, I think it's NAC, I'm trying to, National Association for Women in Construction. Mm, okay. I know I'm butchering the, uh, 
but I interviewed her recently and she said women get paid, I think, 96, 98 cents on every dollar of a man. So it's higher than the average. You, yeah. We know in the corporate world, right? Women are paid less than men. Yeah, they are. Come on, that's common knowledge. It's not right. We know, but we know it's there. We know that that's a fact. She said it's the highest in any industry. I didn't even know that. She said it's the highest in any industry in terms of women getting paid on par with men. That's another reason for women to want to go into construction and the skilled trades because they're paid equally. No doubt. In fact, yeah, in-home service type um, industries, probably making more. I believe it. I believe it. I believe it. So what's something that's coming up now that you're excited about? Oh, my. Well, that there's just so much. Well, okay, on a personal level, I'm uh, packing up and getting ready to move across the country. So my my life is in a little bit of chaos right now. And again, you know, just like in skilled trades, I can pack up my business and I can go anywhere. So I love that. And I get to be closer to some of my clients. I'm moving to Florida where I've got some great clients that I do work with. So I'll get to get in their business a little bit more. And I think too, uh, even though we thought that Oh, this pandemic, you know, things are opening up and we're, we're going to go back to live events and everybody's going to get back in the classroom and back in the conference room. That's just not happening the way people hoped that it would. And that's sad on a lot of levels. And I'm excited about it on a lot of levels because we're able to train and reach more people as effectively by doing virtual training the right way. And so that it gives me an opportunity to work with people and teach them how to effectively facilitate community engagement and learning engagement too. So those are those are things that I look forward to. Definitely. You know, a lot of people are moving. You're not the only person. I know. On the new, if you're watching the news, you're seeing a lot of people moving to warmer climates or places that are more cost effective in terms of cost of living. Yeah. People moving from California, like Silicon Valley to like Texas or to Florida is a popular destination. Mm-hmm. You know, so pandemic has made people realize what's important. It's also showed that you don't have to be in a physical office to do work as you've demonstrated with your business. So life's short. I hope you, you know, people move because they feel that's where they want to be. And they, you know, people don't move to be worse off. They move where they want to be and where they want to live their life. So, um, right. And it, you know, like you said earlier, it's not forever. It doesn't have to be forever. It's for right now. I don't know. I don't know where we'll be two years from now, but you know, there you go. Who cares? It's part of the adventure. I admire that. I respect (laughs) that. (laughs) It's it's always good to see different parts of the country. I was talking to, I, I had a podcast earlier today and we were talking about how it's so important for young people. I was interviewing somebody who's in construction and I was talking about, I never understood young people who are so afraid of change that I'm afraid to just move out of my little area. I'm like, are you kidding me? You know, you don't have any, you know, you, if you're 18, you don't have a lot of things other than the clothes on your mm-hmm. back. You know, you, you know, it's the perfect time. Yeah, it all fits in your car. You don't even yeah. need a U-Haul. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, when I moved in my mid-20s, I could fit everything in my car. That People don't understand what a benefit that is and how much oh, easier yeah. life is when you can do that. You get it. I know you understand. Yep. You've lived, you know, I've lived a few years and it's yep. a lot easier when you're younger to get up and go. And I always encourage young people, look, just go see a different part of the country, even if it's just a visit. But 
don't be afraid to move somewhere for a better opportunity. And I think the skill trades really enable you to do that. And if you're not taking a risk at a young age, then when? Exactly. And, you know, you really struck on something important there, Keith. And I think a lot of parents want their kids to go to college because they want them to have a bigger experience. They want them to meet people from different areas and from around the world, and they want them to expand their their thinking and, you know, just to have that experience. Well, the a career in the trades is a great way to do that too. You you know, create your own skill set that you can take with you anywhere. So there's no reason that you can't go spend a couple of years in California and a couple of years in New York and a couple, you know, yet you have transferable skills that you can bring with you. And it's, it's just a fun opportunity. Yeah. I encourage young people. I mean, I moved, you know, as an adult in my forties from Georgia to Pennsylvania I lived in Philadelphia for a couple of years and people in my age were looking at me like I was crazy. And I'm like, (laughs) why? What's I didn't move to a different country. I mean, it's Georgia, Pennsylvania. It's it's the same country. You're acting like I moved across the globe, but people are so I live here and this is where I've always lived. I get it. I get some people are weary in their forties. I get that. But Still, you can move, and if it doesn't work, you can move back. I right. move back. <laughs> no, it's, not, it's not a life sentence where you move and you're no, there forever. It's you just you a made... part of the adventure. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Final question. Share one life lesson in light of all we've been talking about hmm. that young people just getting started in the skilled trades can take from you. One life lesson, please. Well, this may seem, you know, obvious being an educator myself, but always be learning. And there's just so many incredible opportunities in these areas that you can do anything you want. Like we said, you can live anywhere you want, seek new skills, learn all that you can learn. And your employers are happy to teach you. If you are in a job as a plumber and you say, you know what, I'd really love to learn how to be an electrician. They are happy to start teaching you and to cross train you. There is just so many opportunities. Just always be learning. Thank you, Sherry. Sherry, tell us how people can find you. Tell us about your company, how, like how people can reach and contact you. Well, the best way to reach me is my website is waybeyondordinary.com. And I'm also on LinkedIn. So you can find me on LinkedIn, Sherry Benefeld. And that's probably where I spend the most of my time because I think it's great for networking. And those, you know, you can also email me at sherry at waybeyondordinary.com. Excellent. And Sherry, we will have all that information in the podcast notes. And by the way, Sherry does have a podcast. Do you want to mention that? Yeah, it's actually not active at the moment, but it's called Way Beyond Ordinary Women. And I, the podcast really is me interviewing women business owners of all different types and just talking about the journey and, and how they got to where they are and what they do. Folks, please support Sherry and check her out. And her information will be in the uh, podcast notes. Sherry, it's been a pleasure. I wish you a wonderful day and good luck with the move. Thank you. (laughs) Thanks, Keith. It's been fun talking with you. Definitely, Sherry. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Skill Stadium. It would mean so much if you left a review on iTunes and told your family and friends about the podcast.